Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hyperelectric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landeskog. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dump two hands to Cole Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. One day away from the MLB trade deadline and two days away from the NFL Hall of Fame game. We'll be talking all that and more in the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, your official BSN Denver beer. I'm your host, Ali Monroy, and with me today, I've got AJ Hafley, Ryan Koningsberg, Harrison Wind, and BSN Rockies beat writer, Patrick Lyons. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Everything's been going great, so if anything goes wrong today, it's 100% your fault. Yeah. Wait, where, where, where is Drew? Drew's at the stadium. Uh, he, he wasn't he's able working. to go. He's working. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's working. I was on the Cannot road. Relate. I was on the road for the, the past week and a half, so he's 
I think he's uh, he needs to get back into the clubhouse and kind of feel the pulse, especially with the deadline coming up. Yep, Patrick, mm. we're going to start right off the bat with you. Though the Rockies have won two of their last four games, including a huge win over the Dodgers Monday night. Is Colorado going to be a buyer or a seller tomorrow? I don't know if they're going to be either one of those, really? to be honest. I, yeah. I thought the obvious was a seller. Seller, they should be sellers, I think, yep. at this point. But the problem is they don't have too many trade chips at the moment. Most of their older players are guys with you know a lot of money still on the books for 2020 next season. And if you look at the other trades that have been going down right now before the deadline, uh, teams have been very stingy and they haven't, haven't been making too many big moves, even though it seems like there are more teams in the hunt for the final wildcard spot um, and less players available. There just doesn't seem to be you know, any real impetus for teams to to make a move. Now there's no longer a, a second deadline at August 31st, and that's usually an opportunity for teams to take on additional money. So if it was, you know, this time last year, there would be teams around August 18th who would decide, fine, we'll take on Jake McGee's final $11.5 million owed to him over the next year plus, or we'll take on extra money for Daniel Murphy or Ian Desmond, Brian Shaw, anyone like that. But with teams being stingy right now, it's going to be hard to really find um, anyone to trade with unless you're talking about someone like Scott Oberg who still has two more years of control and could really be a major piece for the Rockies going forward in the back of their bullpen. Do you think that Charlie Blackman purposely got injured so he doesn't have to leave Coors Field? <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, if anything, that that hurts his value because now there's going to be teams that say, well, I, I don't want an, an right, injured player. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He didn't want to leave Coors. So he threw the bag on his back extra aggressively. I would give this like a 7 out of 10 on the conspiracy <laughs> likelihood scale. Well, I will say this, that after he had sat out Sunday's game, he still went to work out and then tweaked the uh, the upper back soreness and, and the tightness even more so. So even though he sat out oh. because he was banged up, he still saw fit to, to exercise. That's and, what I'm saying. He's yeah, like, maybe, i got to make this worse or else maybe, they're going to trade maybe, me. Maybe he sat out. Heard some rumblings. Maybe his agent got in his ear. Yeah, they're they're thinking about trading you. Then all right, like we really gotta act like, like we're injured. Now. I'm gonna do some extremely aggressive deadlifts right now and just and see what happens. I'm gonna do some really aggressive long toss right now. Imagine <laughs> this: if he were to get traded to the Yankees, as as some of you may know, they have a no facial hair policy. So How is that still a thing in 2019? A facial hair policy? It's yeah. When you've won 27 World Series, you can kind of implement those things as part of your clubhouse culture. So Give me a break. That is just unreal, man. Do you think, does do the media try to, stu, uh, try to follow that path too? <laughs> That's a good question. As far as facial hair goes? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was I'm in the Yankees. You would have to sh shave that fantastic mustache if you were covering the Yankees. Why, thank you very much. They did allow me in the press box with this, but I think they knew I was from Colorado, so that's why... Uh, they let me go by. Oh, great. Another hippie from Colorado. He's probably high right now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would, as soon as I walked in, they would look down to see if I was wearing Birkenstocks with, with uh, sock sandals, but, but I was not. So you might have to do that if, if you happen to change markets to New York. Is, is Yankee Stadium the coolest stadium you've been to? Uh, it's I mean, up there. I guess have you been to Fenway or, or Wrigley? I've been to Fenway and Wrigley. Uh, I would take Wrigley over all of them. The original yeah. Yankee Stadium, you know, was my favorite. And again, 
put out a nice little article about that. The Yankee Stadium that's in use right now is the second Yankee Stadium. I don't know how many people are actually aware of this or not because it's been around for a decade now. But the original Yankee Stadium was a was a special spot. Just so much history there. You know, every former player that I talk to, they just glow about standing in the same batter's box as Babe Ruth or just taking that moment of, of looking around and soaking up the atmosphere or being told off by a small child when they <laughs> rebuff them for an autograph. That's always a great story that players love telling. East Coast for me, it would have to be Camden Yards, but also a great one. one that that really started the revolution of the of the new stadiums, as well as you know Coors Field, which I know we're going to get to that. But uh, Camden Yards is is a fantastic one, no doubt. All right, we'll get back on track. So the Rockies have two more games against the Dodgers. They did a great job and were dominant on Monday with John Gray pitching one of his his best start of the season. What are a few things you'll be watching for in these next two games? Well, I really just think how the Rockies respond to the Dodgers really being the class of not only the NL West, but the entire National League and really trying to reduce the the amount of grinding that they do. That's been one of their biggest issues. Um, on the road, they did very poorly with runners in scoring position frequently. In the doubleheader against Washington, they were, I think, one for 17 with runners in scoring position in those two combined games. So that's been, you know, the biggest issue. But, you know, last night they they struck through for for nine runs. That was that was huge. Um, John Gray, you know, stepped up in a big way and, and was, was dominant over eight innings. So that's that's really what the Rockies need to do is just kind of stay within themselves and and just not not grind it out too much and be be too hard on themselves and do the little things like if you take care of the little things the big things take care of themselves and you saw that last night with their 9-1 victory you sound like Vic Fangio um (laughs) real quick if they somehow sweep the Dodgers does it change the narrative are they back alive I don't think they're dead (laughs) They're not dead. They're dead in the NL West. I don't okay, think right, there's obviously. any way they're going to do that. But, but from a confidence standpoint, like can that could that be something that turns around the season? Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we we still don't really know what this team is. You know, they they had a three and twelve run to start the season. Then most recently, they had a, a two and thirteen run. So if you have two fifteen game stretches where you play that poorly, frankly, you're not a very good team. So um, this team doesn't suck by any means. They still have all this talent that most of which they're going to bring back next year and and try to be contenders again in 2020. So you know, I I think they they have a, a really good team and have a lot of potential. To, to stick around. So, you know, a sweep of the Dodgers would definitely go a long way for that. And the Giants series even too. Their Giants are have moved ahead of the Rockies in the wild card hunt. So that that might even be even more important for them right now. Is baseball the ultimate sport that can just change on a dime like that? More so than so basketball or, or, or football or baseball. I feel like or or sorry, hockey. I feel like baseball is just the one that you know, you can really suck for um, a month or two, and then I don't know if it's, you know, something in the clubhouse or whatever, but things just change. Well, I don't think it, it happens on a dime, but it can happen where you can Maybe be out it of seems it. like that, at least. You know? Sure, I right. mean, the Avs turned it around on a dime this year. Yeah, everyone counted them out, and yep. they proved everyone wrong. Yeah, I mean, they did it twice. They went from, they were really, really good, and then they were god-awful for two months, and then they were good again. You know, I mean, the... The Blues were last in the NHL in January, and then they flipped whatever switch it was and won the Stanley Cup. So, sports are easy. That doesn't happen. Sports are easy. That doesn't happen in football. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're 0 four, you're done. So, <laughs> yeah. I think actually the one one year that the Giants 
won the Super Bowl, they started really poorly. It's becoming more of a thing in hockey, which is something that we're working on right now, is that slow starts are no longer like death sentences. Yeah. It used to be if you were if you were out of the postseason like six weeks into the season, you had like a four percent chance to make the playoffs and it just it was over for you. So a slow start it sets you up for a lost season. It's not the case anymore in hockey. So I don't know what the difference is, but I like I don't know if it changes. Yeah. I don't know if it's like magic or if it's just a team finds it. Chemistry, coaching, whatever it might be. Just all clicks. Yeah, for whatever reason some things uh come together and, and these teams just figure it out and go on crazy runs. It's been the opposite for the Broncos. They started like four and three and one, three and one the last three years. Well those first couple weeks of the regular season in football are meaningless. Because no one knows how to tackle yet. Well, and like, like you don't know, you know, systems wise, you don't know who's good yet. You haven't like found that sweet spot by like week eight or nine in the NFL. You sh- you should really have a strong idea. Like these are the elite teams, and then these are the good teams, and these were the pretenders early on. Because you always get a couple every year, and Denver's like been that the last few years. Where if you stopped watching after week four. You would have thought Denver was great right. in were, all those seasons. They were 4-0, and everyone wanted to extend Trevor Simeon. Mm. Well, I'll never forget the Kyle Orton start. Oh, yeah, 6-0. Yes. With that Hail yep. Mary against like Cincinnati. Yep, the tip pass to Brandon Stokely. Yeah. Ed, Donat- Ed Donatel and Brandon Stokely were talking about that at practice today because Ed Donatel, who's now the defensive coordinator, was the secondary coach for the Broncos at that time. And he was just talking. He's like, you have no idea how happy you made me as a secondary coach by running around on the on the goal line oh, to try man. and run out the clock. He's like, because then we only had to deal with one Hail Mary. Like, they would have had two Hail Marys. So, uh, and then, of course, I think the sixth game to make them go 6-0 and was against the Patriots, and that's when McDaniels was, like, fist-pumping up and down the oh sideline because he just beat Belichick. Uh, and then it all times. went down, and then they went, what, 2-8 and eight from there yeah. on out. Well, let's keep talking about football. The Broncos will be playing in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Now, there are a lot of people who are really excited that the Broncos got that Hall of Fame game. Then there's other people who don't really care. I want to hear your opinions on that. Ryan, we'll start with you. Well, for me, it's another preseason game that I have to work. And <laughs> working preseason games absolutely sucks because there's it's the exact same amount of work as a regular season game, and yet the result matters not. So... Other than the fact that it's cool that they're going to be the only show in town, uh, and that means the whole world will have their eyes on Kevin Hogan, which to the whole world, I apologize in advance uh, that you have to watch that. But other than that, it's, it kind of sucks because it's a whole, it's another preseason game when the preseason's already way too long. Mm-hmm. Four games is too long of a preseason. Five games feels like torture. Well, if you weren't covering the game, would you... If you weren't a beat writer, would you be excited to watch this game? Um, so I actually just wrote this. <laughs> AJ's over here shaking his head. I just wrote this in my story today that I'm writing about the preseason. I always compare the preseason to eggnog because it's the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. And you're walking through the store and you see eggnog in the milk area and you're like, oh, eggnog. Yeah. I like eggnog. You think it's a good so idea. So you grab it and you put it in your cart and then you go and you get home and you take like a big old glass and you fill it all the way to the top with eggnog. And then you take a sip and you're like, oh yeah, eggnog. And then you take another sip and you're like, 
Why Done with I, this. Why did I pour this glass so big? And then you take another sip and you're like, <laughs> all right, I've had my eggnog for the year. That's how I feel about the preseason. Like, it's kind of exciting right now that there's going to be a real football game on Thursday. And I put real in, in very light quotation marks. But once the game starts, like, there's going to be like six three and outs to start the game. And everyone's yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, the preseason. <laughs> we yeah. hate this. And yeah, the, the fun goes away. It's the same thing in all the sports, too. Like... I, I would say spring training is different because it's spring training is kind of an event in and of itself. Agreed. And your access to the players and it's it's a unique experience. It's like a that, camp. It's almost like summer. Yeah, camp. it's it's really cool. Uh, but the other three sports sitting through preseason games is actual torture for the people. <laughs> like it's, we all have awesome jobs that we all really like, and we get to watch the highest level of our sports, and it's amazing, right? Except for the preseason. Well, at least NFL preseason games are on TV, so you have the option of watching them. <laughs> yeah, well, right. There are NBA <laughs> preseason league, though, games. Is cool too. Summer League, yeah, it, it's great. It's also at least broadcasted on yeah. <laughs> cable. There are preseason games, and the Nuggets will have preseason games later this fall that won't be on TV. They're and unviewable. Right. You will have to log on to Reddit. Well, actually, Reddit took down their NBA streams. Oh, no. And so you will have to search uh, the dark web for some sort of stream. And then you're usually watching, like, the cam that's on the Jumbotron. Yep. Uh, (laughs) It's the same thing with the NHL. Wow, that is so bad. That's our preseason. So I'll be trying to watch Michael Porter Jr.'s debut, unless I'm at the game, to be determined, in Portland, um, probably watching on a camera that's showing what's happening on the jumbotron yeah that's oh my we gosh don't, and and you know like it's like closed circuit i almost yeah. don't even mind that because the quality of play is so low right like and and like then you go to one, one of those preseason games and with hockey like there's some excitement because there's a bunch of young prospects that you get to see that you almost never would get to see in an abs jersey otherwise that's exciting like twice and then after that they cut all those dudes and you're like, oh, my God. Like, you get halfway through the second period of a preseason hockey game, and you're like, oh, my God, this is bad. I will say this. I'm excited to see Drew Locke. I'm excited to see Juwan Winfrey out there. Like, there are things about the preseason that you can look forward to. It's just as a product, it's awful. It's really low quality. I'm, 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 more, I'm like, wondering how the Nuggets got the short end of the stick and had to play this game because – like of what's going on with, with the Hall of Fame, oh, you right? Mean the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos. I I did that last <laughs> week too. I think week. it's a thing now. It's Denver, Denver. It's fine. <laughs> but because of what's going on, like with the Broncos in the Hall of Fame, that's why they have to play in this well, game. Just because they have to, they have right. Champ Bailey and right. Papel, and so they right. it. If it's even, they kind of just pick a random team. But since they have two going in. Uh, it made it easy. For I feel like they should yeah. get like an extra draft pick or something for playing in this game because there's gonna be there's gonna be injuries that happen. I right. guess that's I guarantee true. you yeah, somebody's gonna get hurt. Blowing me out or yeah. something in this game that is, is just an extra game. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I would. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say it's the short end of the stick because Vic they got Fangio loves it. They got extra practice time. Yeah. That's big for a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. That's like yeah, that's yeah. A lot they of coaches the practice time. It, the coaches would argue it's an advantage. The players are not. The a injuries fan. though right. is a good. But Ryan, good you get to fly into sunny Canton International Airport. I certainly it's do not. <laughs> I will be flying into <laughs> Cleveland International Airport. I believe it's called Hopkins. And then I will be renting a car, and then I will be driving to Sebring, Ohio, where Ooh. my Airbnb is, and then I'll be driving to Canton. Nice. 
limos everywhere you go, of course. Uh, yeah, party bus. I mean, you need a little most more of space the, than just a regular limo. Most of the limos in Cannes are probably sold out right now, I'm sure. That's probably true. Very true. <laughs> I wonder how long that takes to sell out the limos in Canton. Is it like there's like the one place and somebody makes the one call and like, okay, your six cars are sold out? Probably. And that's and like it's just over? Like one one person makes a phone call and is like, done. <laughs> I So... I was ex- I was under the impression that like Canton just kind of like uh, how in cities if you build like a stadium somewhere it just like makes everything nice yeah because someone's like why the heck did they put the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton I'm like well you yeah. just throw things in a remote location and then cool things appear around it everyone told me like nah that's not really how it is in Canton yeah. well like it's, just, it's how it worked here in Denver oh yeah like they threw Coors Field in Lodo and now Lodo was awesome. Well, speaking of Coors Field, we're going to talk about that right after I tell you guys all about Total Bev's 30% off deal. That's right. Total Bev is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more using the code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. Plus, Total Bev delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood, Boulder, Aurora, Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. On top of all of that, they now offer offers CBD products, drinks, gummies. You can enjoy it all on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by, guys. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home and get it delivered. This week, I've decided that instead of pinning you guys against each other two segments in a row, we would talk a little more about culture and about Denver. And actually, in July... In 1991, MLB owners approved the Rockies as a new NL franchise to start playing in 1993. So that was huge for this city. And then building Coors Field in 1995, a few of you guys were here during that time. Ryan, what was that like finding out that Coors Field was coming to Denver? Well, you know, uh, my memories of being three years old at the time are very, very vivid. Uh, I have to say, I was doing backflips right. about <laughs> the Rockies coming to Denver. I forgot and, you were so young. I uh, couldn't wait to hang out at all the bars around Coors Field. <laughs> I was excited my about eyes it. eyes endlessly. How yeah. old were you? Uh, when they first started playing, I was five. Okay. So I was pretty excited about it just because my dad was a big baseball and, and golf guy. And so he was like, oh my God, we're going to get a baseball team. And I can't even imagine how cool that must have been. Yeah. Like I actually really don't remember anything about that. Well, it's weird because like, it's so weird to even think of what it was like to not have it. And then right. the like celebration and just feeling of mm-hmm. like, oh, we finally have one must have been so cool because as people know, Denver has baseball roots. It's not as mm-hmm. if they just said like, here, have the Rockies. Now you know what baseball is like. <laughs> Welcome baseball. To baseball. Right, right. Welcome to baseball. It's <laughs> if you there's guidebooks around the stadium if you need to understand how the game works. No, like Patrick can speak to this. There's a a rich, rich history of baseball in Denver even before the Rockies got here. Yeah, before the Rockies was the Denver Zephyrs was a Triple A team at that point. But even before then, there was an illustrious history for the Denver Bears, and they were a minor league affiliate for the Yankees. So there were a lot of really top talented players that came through Denver before you know playing at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I did a little bit of research on you know on exactly on this topic of like how deep does the history of Denver baseball go? And there was even a, a Negro League team, or it wasn't a Negro League team per se, but it was a barnstorming team of Negro League. Players led by Satchel Page. They're called the Denver White Elephants, and they actually did some barnstorming in and around the Denver area. Can you explain what that is for someone who doesn't know? Barnstorming. That like gift exchange you do around <laughs> Christmas? Not the White Elephant. <laughs> 
Barnstorming. Barnstorming. Well, essentially, <laughs> various you know smaller teams. Really, before the the game was on a national level, or at that point, you know, east of the Mississippi, teams would get on trains and they would just stop at various towns, and usually there'd be a barn nearby, and they would just play whatever team of locals was was there. And of course, that's that's how they would you know make money. And Cincinnati Red Stockings was the first professional team. The Reds, right now, if you look at what they've been doing this season, they've had a different jersey for each one of their home stands because they're 150 years old and all wow. the patches on Major League Baseball say MLB 150 because the Cincinnati Red Stockings were that first team. Right, and then of course, whenever the White Elephants went city to city, they would have a gift exchange. <laughs> right. From what somebody was telling me though, when the Rockies first got announced as like a franchise here, the Denver economy wasn't like thriving per se. So it was tough because you were trying to sell tickets to a team that wasn't here to a city that like wasn't bustling but then once like the team came and you know once people started getting into it then it obviously took off and like we were talking about the attendance was crazy yeah and, and even you know two years after that initial season when Coors Field opened in, in 95 the rock pile seats were only one dollar so wow. that taps into exactly what you're talking about keeping it affordable for families to be able to go to the game Drew has has talked about this numerous times you know coming coming from the other side of the state in Grand Junction and when he would tell people that he was going down to Coors Field, people would look at him and his parents like, are you crazy? Like, why would you go down there at the Coors Field in, in Lodo? That's a that's a bad area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like in the early days of Coors Field before all the gentrification that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the old thing was like, you don't go north of Coors Field. Like anything north where like Rhino is now, or even like Blake Street Tavern, like that was not a good place to be hanging out. Most of it was just rail yards at that point. So um, the inception of the Rockies and and bringing Coors Field to Denver is 100% why we look at Denver the way we look at it now as this up and coming city with, you know, you go down there, all you see is young people and great restaurants and all that stuff without the Rockies. Maybe eventually that comes, but just sticking Coors Field, which is such an incredible venue in the middle of downtown completely made that process move way faster. It's amazing to think that, using your words, and you're right, Denver is an up-and-coming city. That was 25 years ago when they got the franchise. You know, we're getting close to even 30 years when that announcement was first made, but yet Denver is still kind of on the upswing. It 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 takes time. Yeah. Again, going back to that Cincinnati Red Stockings, 150 years, baseball's been around for a long time, but Denver's still kind of a new kid on the block in more more ways than one. And our interstate system is not exactly prepared to handle that. <laughs> well, also in July, July 6th in 2000, uh, Kroenke announced the acquisition of the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche. So, AJ um, Harrison, how big was that for the city? Um, I mean, that was – I was living in Texas by then. But uh, the the ownership stability for the Avs, I know, was, was a really big piece of that. Uh, because they had been, you know, just in that that couple of years, they'd been through multiple ownership groups, and you know, uh, do you know why? No, I' too young for that. But it was, it was they just didn't have that much money, and then the Cronkies rolled in, and they had, you know, they got that Walmart cash, and there you go, you know, it, and and they had the Pepsi Center, and they they just sort of set up shop and. 
now you look at it and all the infrastructure that they've invested in between the Pepsi Center, um, the, their own TV station, their own radio station. You know, the Cronkies have built like a little mini sports empire here in Denver. You know, and they've they famously have talked to the Mumfords about trying to buy the Rockies. And the Mumfords were like, no, we're good. <laughs> and, you know, they've tried to talk about it. In their quest to get an NFL team, they wanted, they, they talked to the Broncos. And, you know, now they have the Rams, so they're good. But it's it's really just about the stability that they've brought and how much they've invested in the development of, you know, Pepsi Center and the area around it. They own the land of, uh, they own, you know, where, where Elitches is now. And they've already started talking about all the redevelopment that they want to do down there because amusement parks are ugly. Well, they're, they're you know, very 30 years ago. Yeah. And Especially when they're, when they're in the middle of downtown. Yeah. It's so weird to see it when you, like, move It's an here. eyesore on the skyline. You're like, wow, the Denver skyline is so beautiful. And then you, like, pan a little bit to the right and there's just, like, yellow old rides and... <laughs> like broken down pirate ships people that people that work for the nuggets will talk about this because their offices just face yeah they'll be like yeah i can tell you exactly like how each of those slides operate (laughs) (laughs) because i'm staring out my window at them all day they're like i know the pitch of a child screaming on the mind racer versus uh the tower of Terror yeah, I can tell you when you should get online for the mind eraser. <laughs> <laughs> the peak times. 2 to 2.30, that's the money shot. Yeah. With that development, I heard they were thinking of adding public school, library, even more parks, just like overtaking that entire area, including over where the Broncos um, are, like kind of that industrial side of things, which that would be huge for the city. And then the Broncos are doing their whole development, kind of like what the Rockies are doing right now with the whatever it's called, McGregor Yeah, Square. whatever that project McGregor is Square. called. Uh, they're putting in like an entertainment district or whatever you want to call it right next yeah. to course. The Broncos want to do the exact same thing in the, I guess it would be the southwest lots of the stadium. There's more parking lots around uh, Mile High than they really need, so they're going to take a chunk of that, put in bars. Uh, Allie, you know this because they've done a similar thing out there in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And it's so cool. They have this area that's the Xfinity Live, and all the stadiums are right next to each other. So you can go and tailgate hockey games, basketball games, <laughs> baseball games, and football games. And then if you don't have tickets for the game, you just go into Xfinity Live, and it's just a, like 10 restaurants. They have a mechanical bull. They have just all, so many bars, and it's just a fun way to stay in that area. A friend of mine just recently told me about it. So on my way to the Philly airport on Saturday, I drove right through there yeah. and it's is it fantastic it's where the old spectrum used to be at where mm-hmm. you know flyers sixers the philadelphia phantoms you know used to play right there it's fantastic with with the McGregor Square situation, that was land that was given to the Rockies because their deal at Coors Field was up. So the city said, well, if we're going to keep you around, um, we, we have to give you something you know enticing for you to stay. So here you can have this parcel of land to build this. And now that that uh, regenerated the new 30-year contract for the Rockies to stay here in town. You say the Broncos have a lot of land and, and property in the parking lot. Is it is it enough that they could you know do something similar to that, or is there any additional land nearby that the city could give them to entice them to stay? Um, I don't know exactly the answer on all of that. There's been discussions of, of very light discussions of if the Broncos were ever to build a new stadium, it wouldn't be there. Now, it wouldn't be out of Denver, but the idea would be, and this is, again, 
years and years in, in the future would be to maybe move it east of Denver towards the airport to just Boo. for the same reason just to extend Denver you know like Denver keeps getting so much bigger and bigger and bigger you go out and put a football stadium out there well all of a sudden that's a development so you think that that, that kind of works but you look at Glendale is a great example of you got to be real careful with that oh yeah because they put that stadium out and, and like, put it too far yeah, well, yeah. And, and it's right next to Gila River Arena. You know, they're right across the street from each other. Mm -hmm. And they've got a development, uh, a similar development like the one in Philly where it's They've, yeah, it's cool. It's, we were there. We did a BSN meetup there before yeah, the Broncos Cardinals game. It's like a it's like a little mini Vegas Strip type mm -hmm. thing, you know, where you can do anything that you want. It, like right there in the area, there's there's tons of entertainment right there, but it's so far outside of Phoenix that it's just like well, and it this sucks. It deters the people from inside of Phoenix to going out there, and that's why I have terrible attendance in all those games because they're like, I don't want to get in traffic and drive for an hour just to go to the game. Yeah. Well, and then you know, for us, you know, we fly into Phoenix, and it's like you get a car and you drive to Glendale yep, yep. and it's like this is garbage I, I flew into Vegas and drove from there because I was like oh, this is more fun I got a ride from one of our subscribers shout out Nacho Brad <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really curious to see what the Cronkies do with the Elitches area yeah because they've talked about you know their their practice facility for the Avs is at Family Sports Center and their practice facility for Which, the Nuggets is non-existent well in, it's in, the, in stadium. the stadium well, yes, but, but in this day and age in the NBA everybody now has their own separate standalone facility with three courts and yeah you know. and even then and what a G you guys team. have <laughs> that and a G league team what, what you guys have is significantly nicer than what the abs have to sit through because it's a like if you've ever been to family sports center never been they like, have to walk through like you'll know a rundown like, arcade to get right. to their ice. and it's like and there's like there's like like uh carnival rides yeah. oh, you know yeah. like there's the little thing you walk in and immediately to your right is literally lollipop park right well <laughs> so it's like it's like this old facility that was built and owned by claude lemieux <laughs> in in the mid in the mid 90s when they first moved here yeah and it made a lot of sense it's but free, like it's right? it's does not make sense anymore and like for an nhl team i'm always like okay so if they're gonna like bring a big time free agent in here who's gonna like go on a tour of their facilities or whatever they've got to go to lollipop freaking park <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, and it's embarrassing they no, need but... a real facility they need multiple ice they need multiple ice sheets they need multiple basketball courts and because they're right next to the Pepsi Center, it makes the most sense. They own both of the teams. They own all of the land. What do you need an amusement park for? Just build your practice facility there and then turn, you know, when the, when the teams aren't using them, you can use those sheets as, as, you know, set up rec leagues and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then do the same thing with the basketball courts. Like, it's, it's insane that the Avs are a professional franchise and they're running their practices out of Family Sports Center. It is maybe if they just changed the name, it would seem a little better. Family. Yeah. What they need to do is pitch it to the free agents as, oh, and by the way, your Great young daughter, your, your young daughter can hit up Lollipop Park. Lollipop while you're... Park. Well, yeah, it's when, insane. When dude. Pepsi Center was built in '99, having a practice gym inside your arena was like groundbreaking. Right. Like, that was the a players big deal. can just live right next to it like many of them do. Right. And you, like not a lot of teams had a practice court in their arena. I don't even know if any did in 99, but now I mean it's very outdated. It's just like one court. Well, they've and, been updating, you know, they've been spending sure. a lot of money on Pepsi Center. For they sure. redid all the seats a few years ago. They obviously have the Megatron in there. But uh, I'm sure they would like to build a whole new arena. I'm well, I mean it's there. Sometimes they, they own it. 
Yeah. Ironically, the person who could fix all of this is Stan Kroenke because he also owns the Colorado Rapids. And we talk about, you know, some a parcel of land near the airport. I'm sure he owns a lot of that land out there in, in Aurora and and uh, whatever si- Commerce just City. Keep all the he teams could have downtown, all that. Yeah, yeah, I right. agree. Seriously. I like that everything could happen. downtown. Just got to, it, and it could. But we just talked about all the benefits of having it downtown. And I think once yeah. they build that entertainment district for the Broncos, you're also going to see some of that area on federal start to get nicer. You know, just the way Fox, it, just yeah. the way it happens because there's an attraction there. Right now, the a act- little less stabby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now, the only attraction is in that area is the stadium and mm-hmm. some really good Mexican food. Yeah. But once you put that there and you start attracting millennials into that area, they're going to want to start building nicer places around there. And, you know, people can have the debate whether that's a good or a bad thing, but just keep the teams downtown. It's one of the coolest things about Denver, I think. I agree. After the break, we're going to get to everyone's favorite segment, Who Won the Week? So be sure to stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S., So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine. And when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted. And it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. So it seems like... This segment is just completely owned by BS and Avalanche as they've won on the polls twice. BS and Av- like Avs fans are just so awesome. Yeah. I always talk about it, and so they're just going to be hard to beat because they just band together on everything. Yeah, they just well, they just really, really like winning, and they really <laughs> want like hockey elevated at all costs. <laughs> So they're like, oh, I don't care about the arguments, and I don't care who really won the week. What's that? Hockey? Hockey. Hockey won the week. Yep. I mean, this week, or last week, uh, JT Comfort, that they won. <laughs> JT Comfort he did not won win the, the week. week. JT Comfort won the week Yo, by 45% JT, of the votes. JT Comfort signed a $14 million deal. Homie's just fine. You weren't even that stoked on it. No. <laughs> you didn't even give like I mean, a really passionate I'm, I'm excited for him personally. It. I just don't know that he was like Denver's big sports winner of the week. What was his comments when he heard about his big victory? Uh, I don't believe he has anything to say. <laughs> Vic Fangio, 33%. Right. Nicole Jokic, Uncle 17%. Vic. I'm surprised Jokic got 17%. Yeah. And poor... I really pulled that one poor out. Poor Herman Marquez, poor Rockies, 5% of the votes. Yeah. People are just <laughs> mad about the Rockies right now, so that's they're showing up in the polls like that. <laughs> well, this week... Again, 60 seconds. I'm going to have each of you go around and tell me why a player or why your team deserved the spotlight this week. And then I'm going to 
play a horn sound to stop you guys from talking. So we'll see how this goes. Um, let's have AJ go first. So my abs winner of the week, I'm going to go with Sampo Ranta. Because uh, who? That's a he's, player? <laughs> he's at the World Junior uh, Summer Showcase right now. Spell it. Yeah, S-A-M-P-O-R-A-N-T-A. Pretty easy. Yeah. I have to trust you on that, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so Sampo Ranta, he's a Finnish prospect, and he was a he's third a round. finished pros- product or uh, a Finnish prospect? A Finnish prospect oh, okay. playing for Team Finland right now at the World Junior Showcase. Uh, he was like their, the, the last guy off of the gold medal winning WJC team last year uh, where he went but didn't get to play for them. So he just kind of had to watch. And so he's trying really, really hard to make the team this seconds. year. And he scored a couple of goals in their opening couple of games. And uh, he's on the inside track to make another medal-winning Finland team in the WJCs this year. So in a summer where nothing is going on in Avsland right now, I'm giving it to Sampo. Really quick. Okay, well, you beat beat the time. Who who is he? What is he do? Where does, how is he related to he's the Avalanche? He's, pros- he's a finished prospect. He was drafted enough? in the third round in 2018. He goes to the University of Minnesota, where he's beginning his sophomore season. Uh, he's an electric offensive talent. It's just the question is, can he put all of the tools together? Because if he does, he'll be a huge steal for them. And It'd be sweet if you could have Ranta and Rantanen yeah. on the same line. Well, and they could. The, they could be left wing, right wing. It's a it's Oof. a real possibility. Mm. And he's a guy that skating wise can keep up with the McKinnon in terms of his speed. So he's he's an electrifying guy. It's just that we don't know if he can put it all together. But at the junior showcase right now, he is. He's he's at a really really great start, and it's nice to see for a, a kid that not a lot of us were big believers in. Where Carol- Ryan, your follow-up question just gave him a better opportunity to 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 have won the week. He's going to win the week no minute. matter what. No, so this, this will be the real test for Abs fans. If AJ wins the week this week, we'll know. With a guy that's also a Street Fighter character, apparently. What's yeah. his name? Sampo Ranto. Street Fighter. <laughs> I'm thinking like Samson from uh, Super Smash Bros. Right? Wasn't that a character? No. <laughs> I think so. Like the, the later Samson? versions. Not the N64 version. Not the one that like, charges up its thing and then it can shoot. You mean Samus? Ah, see yeah, that? How Samus. far off is that? How far off? Far off. Samus, Samus, was, Samus, Samus was kind of Look, a beast. Uh, Samus, Samus Aran has been around since the 80s, dude. The oh. fact that the fact that you thought that that was Samson, you don't get anything remotely near credit for I that. I get credit. Exactly. AJ I'm had credit. no idea what you were talking yeah. about, so yeah. no credit. I'm now excited about Samson. There are, there Samson Rantanen. There are two Samuses, too, so... Oh. Yeah. I oh. really I don't really get close. credit for that. I was close enough. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. Allie, get, us, get us back in line. Yep. Get back, girl. That's that's my title now. GBG. All right. Harrison, why, why did the Nuggets win this week? Nuggets won the week because Jamal Murray signed his contract extension. And it was agreed upon uh, like as soon as free agency began back on June 30th. But he officially signed it uh, last week. I think at his home with uh, his family was there. Tim Conley was there. And I mean, the reason like that this is big for the Nuggets is because now Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are now locked in long term to five and four year deals. So the Nuggets thinking here is that if we have a core of Jokic and Murray surrounded by the right pieces, like if we just have those two guys locked in and and we fill out the roster the right way, we're going to be contending for the Western Conference Championship you know, for the next four or five years. 
And I probably share that belief as well. I feel well, like if, if MPJ develops the way that we think he could, the Murray deal only being four years is... It's five years. It's five years? The Murray deal. Okay. So I feel like... So how, much, how many years does MPJ have left on his rookie deal? Two years. Well, I don't think it, he accrued a year. You don't accrue a year. No, you, you do accrue a year. Um, but he's still technically a rookie this coming season. So he's still in rookie. So he'll have this season and then two more years of team options, which you got to think Denver would pick up even if he's still a little injury prone. So he'll be here for the next three years. MPJ. So not – so they can, they can kind of – if he develops into the star that they think he is – they can kind of avoid the major, major, major money to three different guys right? for and, a few years. And he'll be on that rookie deal, you know, for the entirety of that yeah. contract. So for the next three years. So does that make the Nuggets window the next three years? I mean, in terms of well, real championship potential? Because I think to be a, a real, real championship contender, they need MPJ to become at least close to what those two guys are. I don't think it's that like cut and dry. Okay. Like I don't think they necessarily need MPJ to you know become you know that third banana. Like they could have that banana him. Boat reference. <laughs> they could they could just have him as a you know contributor in the starting lineup, even coming off the bench. I think, and they you know could be contenders for for the title. Like their window is definitely open now, but I feel like it's going to probably be open. You know, after those contracts run out, because I mean, I don't think Jokic is going anywhere. And if you have him, you know, just surrounded by the right pieces, you're going to at least probably put yourself in somewhat of a conversation. Is their championship contention more reliant upon Jamal Murray taking another step than MPJ? Yeah, just because you know Murray's much more of a sure thing than Porter is at this point. It's there's much more of a likelihood, I think, that. Murray takes that next step than there is that Porter, you know, gets to the level where Murray's at right now, probably. What does Jamal yeah. have to do to be to live up to that contract? Um, the biggest thing would probably be just be more consistent. How does how does he get that? You get that with age. You know, you you get that just being in the league for longer and longer. Like he would have nights last year where He'd shoot 10 of 15 from the field for 28 points and, you know, have a great fourth quarter, zero turnovers. And then 48 hours later, he'd go 3 of 15, you know, and miss a lot of big shots and have a bunch of head-scratching turnovers. So consistency is probably the biggest thing with him. It's the same thing with a ton of young players. And then, um, you know, I'd say defensively he's got to be better too. Like he should be a good defender at like 6'4". With, Shouldn't know, get cooked by Derek White. Yeah pretty decent wingspan he, he's got to get better defensively if he doesn't continue his growth do you think it's, he's still worth that contract probably not like if he stays at this level right now yeah or maybe even know. just a notch above if, probably not um but i mean there's a superstar level contract or at least yeah. a star level contract yeah and no, no nuggets are banking on that he's gonna take a couple more steps you know he's 22 right now he won't turn 23 until February. And like what he did in the playoffs last year, nobody has really done that at 22, you know, since Damian Lillard or, or, you know, going back a few years in like 2013, 2014. So, I mean, he should take 
a few steps up for sure. And then Denver's banking that he will. So he needs to find the middle ground between the two Jamal Murrays we saw in game two against San Antonio. Yeah. Definitely. Where it was like, oh my God, this is the worst point guard in the NBA. And then a, a solo act that where, wins them a game. Where he was getting played off the floor for the first seven quarters of that series and yeah. then really saved Denver's season in the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. All right, Patrick, we'll move on to you. Why do the Rockies deserve to win the week? The Rockies and... They don't. Move on. <laughs> That's Thank mean. You. That, was, that was quick. <laughs> Quicker than I thought. No, I'm, I'm going to get some votes here. I'm going to do my best. The Rockies and John Gray oh. won the week because the Rockies have got themselves an ace. Ooh. Now oh, I don't know if you want to be throwing that word Well, let me, let me let me finish here. Uh John Gray might not be an ace in the true parlance of the word as far as one of the top 10 to 15 pitchers in all of baseball, but they have a guy now who is their top of the rotation starter. Yes, he's had some hiccups. Obviously, we saw that last year with him getting demoted back down to Albuquerque, but we saw that with Cal Freeland, and if John Gray can bounce back as well as he did, he can certainly impart some of the knowledge that he got onto Kyle Freeland and continue with that growth. I think with the Rockies being out of the hunt a little bit, that's allowed him to really continue the growth that he's had with what he worked on in the offseason. A lot of mental stuff, a lot of uh, stuff with his nutrition and keeping the weight on like he's been. So John Gray Time's up. is that right where allowed. the Rockies need him to be. I don't want to kill the So a lot of low-pressure situations. The listeners probably didn't right. even hear it. Well, time, there was a horn. I was looking out for you guys, listeners. He's, he's thriving as the expectations are shedding from the team. That's awesome. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, he's been solid all year, even when the ex- expectations were high. Yeah, and it... <laughs> I'm he, I'm nervous to give him that title though. He's he's gonna be the, the top guy in the rotation. It doesn't mean he might not have some hiccups along the way, but right now he's got a three eight eight ERA and he's been dealing with the these juice baseballs a lot better than anybody else has. Yeah. He's been very mm. consistent and he went out and he he shoved last night against those Dodgers and we saw early on in the game in the second inning, he walked two straight hitters, Bellinger was on second base, and he struck the next three guys out. Dominant. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I and then but he's still walked the first two guys. Everyone's gonna walk a couple guys. Yeah, it's just so many of John Gray's problems are so are created by John Gray. But it wasn't a problem. And not this time. And that's we've got years of it being more of a problem than not. So I'm not I'm not buying it for me. Eight um, innings, one earned run without his best, best stuff. It was great. Yeah. In the, in hey, it, it was a great night for him. Not, not, I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm not I'm not buying. I'm not as far as AJ. I think I'm not buying all that. Here's what bothers me about the Rockies rotation is that it's like my golf game. Like, why can't you get Freeland, Marquez, and Gray going all at the same time? Like, why can't you get the driver, the irons, and the putter working all on the same day? It just never works that way. That's so frustrating because if you had this gray with last year's Freeland and Marquez, like you're talking about a you team win the that's, NL West. That's, yeah, they're com- at least competing with the Dodgers right now to win the NL West. In addition to the final two months of the season, you still have three more years of all three of those guys, Gray, Marquez, and Freeland, returning for the Rockies. So they've got a few more bites of that apple to have them all click at the same time. And answer answer this trivia question. Who is the only Rockies player to win 10 or more 
wins in a season in four consecutive seasons. Does John anybody Gray. know? It's John, John Gray. Gray. Oh my gosh, you guys year. are so smart. We're, we're, we're all we're all on Twitter here. <laughs> um, my my question is for for the for the group here is who are you taking long term out of those pitchers if you could only choose one guy. Is it clearly Gray now? No, it's Herman. Yeah, yeah I it's would Herman. say Herman. Yeah, that's Sorry. what that's what I thought. That's what I would still think too. He has like too. Cy Young level ability. Agreed. Yeah, Mar- Marquez is is that top guy. He's not right now this exact moment, but if we're talking about who won the week right yeah. now here in the final right. week of yeah, July, we did get away from the week. <laughs> John Gray and the Colorado Rockies have won the week. You might get six percent of the vote this week. Six percent. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you were the first person I got to use my little horn on, so I was really excited about that. But Ryan, we'll move on to you. Why do the Broncos deserve to win the week? I actually think Hannah B wins the week for captivating millions across the country we with a two-night finale of The Bachelorette. Uh, who? That's Hannah part of Hannah his B. time. That's his time. I mean, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you. We'll say 20 seconds off your time. You save The Bachelorette takes for the BSM Broncos pod. So AJ talked about a guy who might be good. Harrison talked about a guy who should be good. Patrick talked about a guy who has been good. But what about the greats? That's why the Broncos win the week. Because they are celebrating people who have already accomplished something. And that's Champ Bailey Mm. and, of course, Pat Bowen as they get inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Champ, Champ, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. Mm. Uh, Unbelievable player to watch. The, The accomplishments are off the chain. And then, of course, Pat Bowen, one of the greatest owners in sports period, uh, since he took over the Broncos way back when. So they win the week because they get to go to Canton and Broncos fans and Broncos country and really Colorado as a whole because we talked about all that stuff earlier. Pat Bowen is a big part of making sports a thing in Colorado. So they get to celebrate those guys and they finally get some more people with gold jackets in the Hall of Fame, they deserve a lot more. Mm. And Jam. because of that, they have to play an extra preseason game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I didn't get to cover Champ Bailey or Pat Bowen. I got to cover bad football teams the last three years, and then I also now have to uh, endure a fifth preseason. So they both won and lost this week, in your opinion? No, I lose the week. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm not. I, really I get to go to Ryan loses. I get to I get to tour uh, the facility or the uh, the Hall of Fame, which will be really cool. I might even hit up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while I'm there as well, Ooh. which is in Cleveland, where I'm flying into. The downtown Canton TGI Fridays, I hear, is great. Has that has the highest reviews on Yelp? I'm pretty sure. I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think that, you're joking. I really would see you knowing that type of stat. <laughs> No comment. Four point three war on uh, fan graphs for food. No, where I'm actually looking for a good place to go after the gold jacket dinner on Friday to meet up with some BSNers on Friday night. So if anyone knows about the TGI Fridays in downtown Canton, and what's uh, the gold jacket dinner? So the gold jacket dinner is obviously the enshrinement ceremony is what you see on TV. Yeah, that's when they all give really long, boring speeches and cry and stuff. the gold jacket dinner is kind of the more like it's it's when they first get to have their gold jackets Mm. so it's like the real like moment that they get to slip into that jacket that's perfectly fitted to them and it should be really really cool to see that so gold jacket or green jacket which is cooler Hmm. i'd rather have a green jacket green because i didn't even know that it was a gold jacket for the football (laughs) hall of fame really it it rings a bell now that you say that but yeah the green jacket yeah green jacket probably a little more versatile True. Green jacket also comes with like a ten million dollar purse. True. 
but it doesn't come with a bust. That's there true. You know, we got all the arguments here. I like the gold jacket. I just think it looks I like cool. the gold jacket too. But the green, uh, the significance. Uh, I just, yeah, as a golfer, the green jacket would mean more to me. <laughs> Andre is very upset with Ryan for choosing that. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, be sure to let us know who you think won the week. I'll be putting a poll on Twitter, and we'll be talking about that next week. And be sure to subscribe to the Denver Sports Podcast feed. Right now, you guys are getting all of these on all of the main channels. So be sure to subscribe. And I think that's all we got for this week. For Ryan Konigsberg, Patrick Lyons, Harrison Wind, AJ Hayfley, I'm Allie Monroy. Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's just a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course. and There's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. they got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can see the mountains. You can see the golf course, you know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com.